The magic of music is its power to connect, to inspire and cross borders. However, most music nowadays is consumed through playlists created by algorithms. And these playlists, they tend to keep us in our bubble and withhold us from experiencing new sounds. In this podcast series, we introduce you to musicians you might have never heard of. This is Music Meetup. Welcome to Music Meetup, the podcast by the Music Meeting Festival. Music Meetup is based on a concert by two artists. They are invited to join forces in a spontaneous and sometimes even improvised collaboration. In this podcast, we get to know the people behind the music. Our talks are just as improvised as the concerts. So we've put a big bowl with questions on the table that can take us anywhere and everywhere. My name is Rufeda Abu Talib. I'm an artist and the host of this show. In this episode, we meet Breno Verissimo. He's an Amsterdam-based guitarist, bass player and singer dedicated to sharing Brazilian music with the world. His companion today is fellow Brazilian musician Gabriel Millier. Gabriel is a singer-songwriter and composer for television and film. Abre a janela do carro Pra sentir o vento e a maresia entrar Já descemos a serra Agora falta pouco pra chegar Aumenta o som do Chico César Que gostamos tanto Hey, you guys. Hello. Hello, hello. Hi. How are you? Very good. I'm good as well. Really good. Yeah. How was it for you to play today? Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, especially there's one song that Gabriel has, one of his compositions that really touched me. It's like playing, when we were describing it, it's like being on a boat <laughs> together and slowly... Just uh, going through the maybe a, a nice river. I don't know. Totally, I have the same feeling, and I think it was nice to do it on a Sunday morning because, yes, I mean, it's good to remember home on the Eastern Sunday and stuff. It really felt homey for us as well, even though we most of us don't understand the lyrics. But you, when you first explained, it's called the, the sun and the sea. Yes. Yeah. What's o it called in? In Portuguese, is o sol e o mar. O sol e o mar. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. yeah. Hey, w when did you guys met? Because you're both from Brazil. Right. Did you meet in Amsterdam or did you meet back home? I think the first time we met was at a roda de samba. Yes, in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam. Yeah. And uh, and I'm, yeah, I don't know through friends. Yeah, I think like uh, because uh, I have a friend in Amsterdam that I've met, like at, when I arrived, I arrived in 2017, I think. Yeah. And Alex, like this Venezuelan friend, we have this friend in common, and we kind of like knew of each other before we really met. I think yeah. like I knew a bit like who you yeah. were, and I think we also lived in São Paulo at the same time, but we didn't meet in Brazil, yeah. right? Like yeah, exactly. 
And I think you always know of each other, especially musicians, Brazilian musicians that are around in, in the Netherlands. You you end up hearing about each other, even together with, uh, we heard, I heard about, a lot about Felipe, the guy who did the camera work today. And actually today was the first time that we actually met. So which is, uh, I've heard a lot via friends. So we know, we, we hear of each other and sometimes it's just a matter of the right timing to. Yeah, it is the Brazilian gang. Yeah. But how does that work? Because... Um, I was actually talking to you about this, Gabriel, when we were on the phone the last week. When I, coming from the Netherlands, when I travel to some place in the world, it doesn't really, I don't really look for other Dutch people or yeah. or Dutch musicians because we don't have that, I don't feel like we have as much in common as it seems that you guys do have in common. How does that work? I think uh, <laughs> it is like this relation with all the musical traditions that we have in Brazil that somehow... Uh, Most of the times when I am with Brazilian musicians, I see that our formation is really influenced by all these styles that we have there. Even like, uh, even if we, I don't know, a Brazilian musician that is more inclined to play jazz and another that is more like on classical music, somehow we have a lot in, a lot in common because like music is a really big thing in our culture there. And yeah. I don't know, I just, we encounter our, ourselves yeah. in this repertoire and this, I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah. Totally. And I also think that um, music for us when you grow up in Brazil is not is not like a, an extra, it's just part of life is music. It's like comes with like just like eating. And so it, I think it's very easy and natural to to then uh, uh, communicate that way. It's like a vocabulary almost. For sure. Of, of, the, of the musical yeah, repertoire is like who, how we communicate also. There is also the fact that... Uh, Brazilian music is like a cultural institution abroad as well. So in a way, it is a work opportunity, you know, like you come, you go to live elsewhere and you come with this uh, commodity that you can deliver. It's like yeah. an export product. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which is really nice, but sometimes a bit tiring as well, because you get framed within this uh, perspective, like, ah, okay, one more Brazilian musician that that is going to play i don't know bossa nova or something like that and of course it is an honor in a way like or, or it is a privilege to be to inherit like all these traditions but sometimes you also just want to be recognized right. or to to make music without being i don't know uh, instantly attached to these styles but in a way i think we also start to meet each other because we are all uh being part of this this uh, Brazilian community abroad, community of musicians abroad, you know, like playing the styles and playing samba or bossa nova or whatever other style from Brazilian music. Yeah, it's nice that you have kind of have like an instant family wherever you go because Brazilian music is everywhere. Yeah, that's true. That's cool. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Who wants to pick the first question from the bowl? Okay. You're closer to the yeah. bowl. <laughs> Let's see. Go ahead. This one. Should I read a question? Mm -hmm. What's the best story from music history that you know and why do you like it? From my personal world or from maybe the, the history of music? Whatever comes to mind. Whatever comes to mind. I, I like, well, I'm going to tell a personal story because often people also ask me 
why did I start making music and playing music? And that's because there is a person in my town who was a, a guitar teacher, and uh, there's a lot of there's a almost like a profession on its own as being a guitarist and singer in Brazil, where you play and perform at the bars. Very typical in in Brazil of being barzinho with violão playing. Um, and there was this guy he wanted to record his album uh, at my dad's studio. My dad had a studio when I was small in front of my house, and he asked me. Um, he asked my dad, "Can I record an album?" But I actually don't really have budget, so uh, he actually offered. Uh, to give me lessons for a year in exchange of making an album. And that's actually why I'm a musician, I think, because there was that, that trade of it for him was good uh, to, you know, and, uh, and even though, yeah, I just see him as being my kind of my mentor still nowadays, whenever I see him, I just have so much respect to all the mentors that I had, you know? What did he teach you? Uh, acoustic guitar actually mm. that was my first instrument and that that was the first contact with uh, with the Brazilian repertoire because also as a kid I grew up playing uh, like every kid playing video games and learning a lot about like maybe American music you know rock music and stuff but he brought me the I heard the first song I played was like a toquinho aquarela aquarela I learned that at the, at the school aquarela do Brasil that was the first song I heard and Mm-hmm. And I didn't know besides of learning in uh, in the music lesson. So that was for, yeah, I like, I like the story. I think it's nice, beautiful. Yeah. De Samuel, que você pensou? Gabriel, do you want to grab a question? Yes, I do. I'm going to pick one from the bottom. Mm-hmm. So, my question is, why and for whom do you create? You actually answered this question with the why do you create, like because mm-hmm. of the man that uh, yeah. came to you. But we haven't heard it from Gabriel yet. I think uh, most recently I've been working a lot with songs again after a period in life in which I was more uh, in which I was working with like music for theater for cinema for videos for and in that case it was quite obvious I was creating per demand creating for projects for other ideas and I was somehow using my craft as a musician to um, achieve other artistic intentions from other artists and I think now like getting back to writing songs in the last two years, one year and a half, I really see that I create, like the why is is because I want, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of things, subjects that I want to talk about or to relate to. So like my interests, like I'm int- interested in, in, I don't know, history in, in, in understanding my, the emotional landscape I live in and other people living together as well and in politics, in, in, in the small things that we share in life and that can be shared uh, through art. So like, I think I create, now I have like this idea that I had a lot of opportunities to have a musical education in my family, in my country and in institutions. And I try to use this vocabulary as a way to talk about what I want to talk. And most of the times it's not about music per music, you know, but it is about places, people and, uh, Society, history, love, feelings, 
it's a way for me to understand myself and the world around me, I guess. And also to share uh, perspectives and ways of understanding what is around us. And not maybe even maybe even to create perspectives, new perspectives about uh, what we live together. Maybe that's too pretentious, I don't know. But I think that's that's what motivates me. And for whom? I think it changes from from time to time. With these songs that I've been writing, it's so connected to to the people, to my friends and family and people in Brazil. Of course, like I want my music to be shareable, if there is such a word, or to I want it to have meaning in the context that I'm living now. But if I think in the process of creating it, it was definitely uh, turned to my people in Sao Paulo, being friends, being family, being the people that I see there on the street. I mean, I would love them to. I would love to be able to take my music there again, you know, as a way to rebuild a bridge in between me and my city, my culture, I think. And is is this also uh, why you wrote the song we were talking about earlier? The, the For song sure. The sea? For sure. But what is it about? What, what do you sing about in the lyrics? Uh, it's basically like a first, uh, I'm talking in, in the song, I'm talking uh, with, uh, with a friend uh, about... Um, in the beginning, it's just saying like, you know, open the windows of the car. We are just arriving in the coast and you can feel the smell uh, of the sea. And uh, and it's really about this place that I used to go almost every summer in my life, summer in the Southern Hemisphere, so like in January. Uh, a place called, uh, the whole place is called Reserva da Joatinga. It's a really beautiful place in the coast in between the state of Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo. And uh, there's a lot of beautiful uh, beaches there. And it's about go this ritual of like, you know, in Brazil having, I don't know, Christmas and, and New New Year's Eve. And then in January, you just go there and you have this raw relation with nature and with people and being disconnected from 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 all the stuff from the big, from the big city, you know. And, uh, and in a way, I think I try to express how much I miss this powerful nature that that we have there this tropical power and powerful nature yeah it is at the same time celebrating this place and missing it mm. in a way i think that's yeah and that's i think why i relate uh, also all the gabriel did a show uh, a couple of months ago at the munganga this brazilian theater in amsterdam and his songs just really resonate with me the lyrics because uh it's just it we are both in a very similar situation we grew up in a very similar way with parents that are into music there there are musicians um so there's a lot that we share there in common and i, I think i just want to add on why and to who i i make music uh, but i think it's really about communication with other musicians i think for me it's a it's a language that you can I've sometimes I've played with people that I actually never really met. You know, in a situation you go to a gig, you're the sub guy and then you just end up playing and it, within that hour of playing or two hours you get to know that person so deeply <laughs> more than if you had known them for a week and actually had to just you had talked to. It's just a really uh, it sounds maybe a little uh, I don't know. No, no, to, uh, I totally agree know. with you. But uh, I, I think it really music just brings people together in a way that you, you there's n cannot explain. Like it's great that you mentioned this because I, I, I actually when I was watching you guys play earlier, I'm recommending the listeners of this podcast to 
watch the complete performance online. Um, the, what struck me most about your performance together was that it felt so intimate. Mm -hmm. Like the way you guys were looking at each other was almost like there was this romance between you guys, yeah. musically, of course, mm -hmm. maybe also privately. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's really, um, a really special. And it's all, but it's also really, um, um, in a way, uh, confronting for us as an audience to, to be kind of like, be part of this really of this intimacy mm -hmm. that you guys have it's not something that's very um common in all sorts of concert situations i think yeah, but it was really very visible here today also it was yeah. great to see that yeah yeah <laughs> But what, Breno? What drives you as a as a what what makes you pick up your bass or your guitar? Or I have this. I have a similar thing with the with this with songs. Actually, sometimes not necessarily only with lyrics, but also with voice. I have I've I've studied jazz at the conservatory in Amsterdam. Double bass uh, as a double bass player played quite a lot of like instrumental music, but I always came back to playing with singers like all kinds of types of music jazz either jazz or or going back into more the brazilian repertoire or or going into the pop repertoire or playing with singer songwriters in holland um so i i think that what drives me most is uh, is the voice and the song and the yeah and and also this magic of um playing together and and creating something creating an energy with other people and yeah from scratch there's nothing so when we pick our instruments there's nothing and then suddenly we start playing with each other we start playing one chord or one rhythm and that just creates something and for me that's really cool we were even talking a little bit about what you said that uh, i really feel in breno's playing the bass uh and I, I say it as a songwriter, that he's an instrumentalist, a bass player, that he knows how to play to the song. Because this is, I mean, I think here there's a lot of uh, musicians with jazz education, great musicians, like, you know, technically trained and they can do all sorts of crazy things with the instruments. They really know their instruments. But sometimes they don't know how to play a song because you... It, I think there is like this general idea that if you are able to do something really complex, then it's going to be a piece of cake to do something simple and this is a big lie because usually they sound and of course it's like I'm making a generalization but if you, sometimes you pick like really like well, super trained virtuoso players and they go to play a song and instead of sounding simple it sounds dumb as if they don't really know where to go because they need to put all the uh, possibilities of scales and possibilities of development musical development there in two minutes of a song that maybe is only about uh missing home or only about feeling in a boat so if you are in a boat you're not playing all the scales of the world maybe you're just playing and i think Breno has the like the the the, the correct then a nice touch for it you know like you yeah. you feel the song and you say okay like that's the that's and, my role as a bassist and how to be on that boat together exactly right not to have this two, separate, the two separate that boats you were like about. let's have the same boat and let's like enjoy that boat right I mean. yeah 
There was it was I just wanted to I just wanted to hear you talk more about this because it's such a nice <laughs> nice principle and such a nice way of uh, of of approaching it and I really recognize also what you say about Breno that he he really really relates to it he really folds his playing around whatever the song needs whatever the boat needs to to be floating exactly yeah, yeah. Nice. for me it was also hard uh, sometimes people ask so what instrument do you play And then sometimes like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I play a little guitar. I play bass. I like singing as well, but it's not so much about the instrument itself. It's about, yeah, just trying to add something valuable to, to that energy of that, that song. Whatever the music needs. Yeah. And, and sometimes within the, let's say the music industry, sometimes it's difficult to, to not have, to not name your, not label yourself. That's important in a way. That you can label, I'm a, I'm a great bass player or I'm a great guitarist. And uh, and then sometimes it's challenging also that people ask, so what are you? And then, I don't know. I think it's also a problem in the music training itself that it's so turned towards uh, the technical aspect of learning an instrument, you know. When I compare the, the I mean, I had great uh, educational opportunities, but when I compare a little bit with my friends from theater academies or dance academies or performative arts in general. Although, of course, they will have a lot of criticism towards the institutions where they were uh, trained. They they spend so, so much more time thinking about creative process and the meaning of what you're doing. Why are you doing this? And what are you trying to say? For whom? Why and for whom? You know? And why I think in the music education is gen in general is like not why for whom is like practice more and practice all the scales and know all the scales and you know and then if I think of like uh, scales and chords and rhythms and whatever and I think of many many artists that I love and they know way less <laughs> I mean it's, it's just like a joke but they they know less harmony or less uh, complex rhythms than I and they were able to do something that is really touchy and really. Uh, important for me in many ways artistically mm -hmm. how do you guys relate because th you mentioned this earlier in the conversation as well like the label of brazilian music and how it offers you uh, job opportunities but it's also <laughs> maybe limiting in a way uh, how do you guys relate to that how do you present yourself in a world that really wants to label you uh, i think there's something that you said once that i think is really funny and also my girlfriend she always remembers that and she says all the time You mentioned the label of being a professional Brazilian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. Uh, you you yeah. get paid to be the yeah. uh, the most Brazilian version of yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring it all. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes I embrace it. Sometimes I don't fully relate to it. So it really depends on the, yeah. on the situation, the circumstances. It is, uh, well, yeah, sometimes you, you try to use it as as a common ground for communicating with someone that might have uh, a connection with this tradition with this vocabulary with this repertoire but uh, most of the times i feel a bit uh, uncomfortable about it because the thing is also the the stereotyped version of brazilian music abroad for me is way more related with the brazilian music from the 50s and the 60s and not so related to what I grew up listening to or what uh, I saw and I still see my friends from 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 my hometown doing and the people that I admire there. I mean, uh, music in Brazil, like especially songwriting is so 
broad, like everything fits, you know, since the 60s, there, there was like this movement in the 60s, the Tropicalia movement. It, it was kind of a, a movement against the bossa nova in a way, aesthetically speaking, in which they made sure that you could combine whatever elements you want to put inside Brazilian music, you know. And they, they, they were actually like struggling to be able to use the electric guitar because some, some more traditional uh, musicians, they were doing like uh, demonstrations against the electric guitar. So I don't know exactly what I'm, I think I'm telling this to say that somehow I feel that the Brazilian music abroad is stopped in this pre-electric guitar era, you know? And I'm playing the acoustic and I love it. I love the nylon string guitar. Like, And uh, I recognize my sound as being from Brazil because I'm singing softly and playing the, the nylon guitar. But I don't know. I just think that uh, in a way, I think it's also a challenge to be able to how can I say, bring, like, uh, to renew how Brazilian music can be understood, you know, like to be a Brazilian musician abroad. We can also take it forward abroad. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be uh, stuck in the stereotyped version of ourselves. Yeah, Maybe that's I think that's, that's a great ambition. But, but how? But what to me sounds really complicated is Brazil is such a complex country culturally. There's so many different people. Mm -hmm living there coming from so many different parts of the world with different histories and then there you are as one professional brazilian <laughs> in amsterdam yeah. representing all of it or something how does that work breno um i think you i don't know i just meeting meeting people in in holland that are making music uh, just makes you realize that for example, sometimes I'm hanging out with Femke, a friend, or Nathan, a Dutch friends. They have a certain um, like a, a repertoire that they've listened to when they were teenagers that I've never heard of. And I'm like, what? What is this music? Like, So that's sometimes... Brazilian I'm, music? or No, actually, uh, like for American music, for oh, example. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's just a... And we have our own version of that. We have our songs that are... The, the classics that you heard when you were either American uh, music or, or rock or whatever, or soul music. Um, and so I noticed it's different. So there's, um, so I try to at least try to learn from them something. Like whenever I hear, I, I know friends here, I try to listen to something that I've never heard before. That for them is like really a, a classic, you know. Yeah, so uh, for example, I, I don't know, I don't have a, a name still yet in my mind. Um, but just as certain musicians that you never heard of, Curtis Mayfield, for example. I've, I, I've heard maybe one song in Brazil, but I had no idea who he was until Nathan, my friend, he was like, man, you should listen to this. Like, this is some really good music. So just trying to, okay, bring that Brazilian uh, uh, backpack that we have full of uh, our own, uh, own, own songs and try to also broad, broaden my my musical horizons also and try to see if there is a way to combine their things like for example i'm uh, i'm working with a brazilian singer called joan sabia we work on an, an ep i'm working as a producer so we work from from distance he lives in sao paulo and he wants to bring he plays mostly bossa nova mostly that 60 period uh, but he wants to try to modernize a little bit so maybe how can we include maybe a trap beat in it or maybe some 808 uh, maybe i don't know how can we add some sense on it? And of course, we will not create a revolution in music, but we are trying to combine, combine flavors and see where it goes, you know? 
crossing borders. Yeah, <laughs> let's see. Maybe people like it. Maybe people won't like it. We don't know. Go grab another question, Breno. All right. If you're up for it. I am up for it. I like this bowl of questions. <laughs> Fondest memory to an instrument. Mm. I actually just told you this one. Um, so I started as a, uh, with the acoustic guitar, nylon guitar. Um, but my dad, he bought a, an acoustic bass guitar um, for himself to study. Was a was a black instrument, uh, a brand called Condor is like a Brazilian brand. I think it's a Brazilian brand. Is it Condor? I'm not sure. Not high, not very high quality, I must say. Um, <laughs> but uh, he wanted to study, and I, I said, Dad, maybe I also want to study. So then I, I started taking lessons, and that was the instrument that brought me close to bass because I used to be on my computer, like doing whatever, playing video game or being on mess i i messenger or whatever and i was to playing that instrument all day that was just my yeah i still have this bass in brazil and uh, i will never play a show with it because it sounds like crap but uh, i have a very uh, yeah fond uh. and how did that go so was it just lying around on the couch or was it hanging in the studio or how how did it was you... always behind me on this uh, case uh, <laughs> lay on the case uh, so uh, Yeah. And you were in your bedroom or? That was my, uh, the computer room. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. And it was always there and you just always grabbed it. I just always picked it up. And then sometimes there would be a friend uh, coming over, then we would jam and then put it on the side. So that was my. But your dad actually bought it for himself. Did he ever get to play it or was it nope. always in your hands? No. Nope. <laughs> I uh, kind of <laughs> stole it from him. Qual foi o muro que subiu? Por que não atravessou? Nunca um lado de lá. Olá, o metrô já vai passar. Gabriel, take another question. Yes. So the next question is: the biggest lesson learned from another artist or audience? Mm. Many lessons. What's <laughs> There is a. I'm gonna quote one that it, it didn't happen with me, but I heard the story and I love. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was like this percussion. It, it is. It relates to what I already said about like playing for the music and not for the. There is like this uh, singer, songwriter, percussion player, performer, great artist in Brazil called Carlinhos Brown. And uh, he's from, from Salvador, Bahia, a city where the Afro-Brazilian culture is super strong, super present. And uh, so he has like this group with a lot of percussion. And there is the, they, once I heard, I don't even know if the story is true, but I love it, that uh, a percussion player that was playing with him came to him showing like this polyrhythmic thing that he was able to do. Now I just learned and what do you think? Like we can use it here or there. Uh, with a song, I don't know, it's really sophisticated and stuff. And then Carlinhos Brown just said, uh, you know, just make the people happy. Mm. Just find something to make the people happy. Nice. De alegria seu povo. <laughs> I love it. That's, <laughs> That's a beautiful nice. story. Yeah. Like, nice that you're doing that. You know, like, just give us something joyful. That's amazing. Yeah, I like it. 
Brenna, do you remember something? Um, so I think the biggest lesson was, I think was in a concert. I think it's very similar to what Gabriel just said. It was a concert of Gilberto Gil at the Paradiso playing uh, for her concert. Gilberto Gil was probably, he's what, seven, he's almost 80, right? 78 now, yeah. So he was probably around his 70s. And he played a two and a half hour show, which was brilliant. So much energy. And it's, it just goes the same. It's just like the energy was so, so connected between him, the musicians, but then also never losing the attention with the public. The, the, the beautiful part of the attention, not like trying to steal the show or anything, but just like keeping that communication alive all the time. Uh, and uh, yeah, that for me was really incredible. And I can imagine that the Carlinhos Brown would have done the same. Yeah. To just keep that energy alive. Just same as, I don't know, that you can name a million beautiful artists that did that. Um, and we were talking about the Whalers before, or, or uh, Prince, or I don't know. There are a million brilliant artists that would do the same. So yeah, that's for me, that's the, the biggest lesson I could learn from. Actually, just a concert, not even being able to talk to the person, but I, I'm sure... That it, yeah, it, the, we would resume something like that. On just like, man, just just make people happy and make yourself happy. And uh, yeah. It really feels like the, the lessons that you mentioned now, it, it, it all really relates to the concert you played earlier. It's really nice to have like this, co this context of your way of thinking of music next to the beautiful pieces that you yeah. played. I hope nice. it matches. Yeah, <laughs> we're not saying I something. I was thinking that it's great because like... Uh, the repertoire we played and also the songs I've been uh, that I wrote recently, I think because they are related mostly to the experience of being away from home, abroad, and this kind of more like calm and soft feeling of the northern hemisphere winters and stuff. There's some sadness, and then it's like how 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 to still this is a question like how to still be able to create this constant and joyful connection with an audience, even if you're talking about or sharing such a emotional, not so stable feeling. I mean, when you're playing Gilberto Gil and, 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 and Carlinhos Brown, they're mainly playing really like a party music, really celebrative. Like even when Gilberto Gil goes really like metaphysical and philosophical, like the happiness just emerges from the music, you know? And how to still be able to have this connection, this celebration, talking about sadness. Yeah. That somehow is also, I mean, a huge part of our lives, right? Yeah. And I think that's what people feel in Brazilian music in general that they cannot explain. I hear many times people say, but what are you talking about? And then someone's like, yeah, actually it's a very sad song. But then people feel so uplifted <laughs> from that song. Is is the hope of our our culture is the staying hope hopeful. That's our, I guess, totally uh, uh, one of our ways of uh, dealing with life. Wow, well, it's a kind of cliche to say, but they they always say like, "There's no light without dark," right? There's no yeah. Yeah. defining joy if there's not something to uh, to measure it against, right? Yeah. Emotionally, yeah. <laughs> I think that I think we can wrap it up. I think. You guys said such beautiful things about music and makes me al almost feel 
like I want to buy you guys a ticket to fly <laughs> home again and enjoy the sun. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For us, it's good to be here too, I think. Super nice opportunity to talk as well. Yeah, I admit Very that nice. I was a bit nervous in the beginning, like, well, what are you going to be talking right. about? Right. But uh, it's super nice to have the opportunity to make like a reflection with words yeah. about what we do with sounds. So right. thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Ciao. Bye. This was an episode of the Music Meetup podcast. Please find the full concert and more information about the Music Meeting Festival program on musicmeeting.nl. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to get updates on the show. My name is Ruveda, and this podcast is produced by Dag en Nacht Media and Music Meeting. Thanks for listening, and until next time. <laughs>